Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Gunzel Cast. Yes, my name is Ray Carr, along with Carmen Angelo. Hello. Jeremy Demery. How are we doing? And our special guest, Mr. Kent Intagliata. Good to see you again, Ray. And you're wondering, who is Kent Intagliata? Well, Kent is an uh, NFL referee, and Kent is a vast experience in that department. Uh, you also do wrestling, and NCAA Division One wrestling. That's awesome. And uh, tell us some other things that you do. I do the play-by-play for the Division One National Championships for ESPN, which is great. Yes, you do. I do a little high school football. Uh, I do a little high school wrestling. Uh, play a little volleyball. Uh, also work for Highland Software, you know, which is that nine-to-five job. Keep yeah. all those smart kids employed. You know, let all the nerds do all the work. Now, you've worked closely with the Cleveland Browns and their practices and things like that. I mean, describe yes. what we don't get to go in and watch practice. You are there. What does a practice consist of and how does it usually run? How does it usually run? Well, they're all scripted I mean, the coaches out. are different. Yeah. Well, during practice, everything is scripted out and they hand us a play sheet of what's going to go on. Practice can be anywhere from 90 minutes to three hours sometimes. When they're fighting to make the team back in July, practices are a little bit longer, a little bit tougher. Uh, since the season has started, I will tell you, uh, we have not had any one day where there's been full hitting. Uh, they all, they do what they call thud. They wear these little shells over the top. Yeah. Most of the time they wear shorts. Uh, sometimes they'll wear football pants, but there are never thigh pads, knee pads, anything like that. And then when we get out there, they'll do a stretching program. And then each, uh, little segment is into quarters. And depending on what they're doing, if they're doing what they call install, where they're putting in their plays that they're going to run during the week, or if their defense is putting in their defense that they're going to have the plays against during the week. Um, and then from there, sometimes they'll do uh, uh, they'll do short uh, uh, field mechanics where they're to be inside the red zone, do from the twenty on in. Otherwise, they'll do you know just going up and down the field. Yeah. Now, do the players just kind of is it robotic with them? Do they really get into this? Do they hate it? I mean, I mean, I will I will tell you I've seen something this year that I've never seen before, and this happened last week, and then I will get into what happened this week. Last week, though, because of all the injuries and everything that they were having. When we showed up on Wednesday, they literally did a walkthrough. They left their helmets on the sidelines, and they were doing a lot of uh, psychiatric and uh, psychology stuff where they literally would walk their routes down the field. Everything was in slow motion. and They were all thinking about what they were doing. Then they would go back and do that same play again, and if they were using a tree route or something off the wide receivers, they would change that. So what they were reading the defense and walking through and literally walking through everything that they were going to mm-hmm. do. So that they would mentally see what was going to happen, where the players were at on the field, and that's the first time I'd ever seen that. Um, really? Yes, it was. It was rather odd last week because um, a lot of, I mean, not a lot, but I mean, um, Mount Union's Larry Karras would do that, and he would do it. He was doing it thirty years ago. Yes, uh, I will tell you. Since the season has started, like I said, we have not had any full contact at all. Everything is seventy-five to ninety percent. Every every now and then, he'll say, "Hey, we're going to have a live." They'll say a live hit, but it's not a live hit. They're not going to the ground. You will, if somebody goes to the ground in practice, it is because they slipped or somebody got tied up in, a, in a, you know, doing a, a, some kind of block or something where they tripped over each other and fell to the ground. It, it, it's it's uh, never does anyone go to the ground. You will never see that. Um, the other thing that happened this week, and uh, we we've had to be tested every week and everything else. We showed up on Tuesday to get tested, and the NFL sent out a memorandum. What was that? That is the NFL 
referees will no longer be at practice anymore. They fired all 32 teams, all the referees. Why? No kidding. I, I will tell you, there are two sides to this. Well, I won't say there are two sides. There's two things that contributed to it. Last week, they're saying in Arizona that one of the operations people, and they, they would not come out and say it was a referee, but one of their operations people that is only there a few days a week caused the coach to, be, to get the COVID and get sick. That was part of it. Second part is they are t- tired of paying for our tests because those tests cost them a good penny every week. And we were tested every week. Last year, we were tested every Twice. two days. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was ridiculous last year. But this year, it was only on Tuesdays. But when we showed up on Tuesdays, we had a representative from the Browns that let us know that all 32 teams, they were not going to be allowed to use referees the rest of the year. So until something would change, you will not be a practice anymore. Which was a shocker to us. Yes. Last year, we lasted until Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And then Thanksgiving, they decided that there was a huge outbreak with a number of teams. So they got rid of us all last year. But um, going back to what we'd we'd seen earlier, uh, Stefanski has taken a very different approach. And I think part of it has to do maybe with the players union. Part of it is it is a very long season. And the less these guys hit each other, and go out there and knock each other down and push each other around and everything else, the less stress and the less pain it is on their body. And I think he needs them to be around. And I think Belichick figured this out before. They've got to have them around come Thanksgiving. The last eight weeks of the season are when it's important. Right. you got to be healthy the last eight weeks to be able to get into the playoffs and then be healthy to win it down the road. And I think Stefanski has kind of figured that out. Well, you know, on Monday, they had 21 guys on the uh, injured report. Now, you know, with Kareem and JOK going on IR, they're heading into tonight's game with 19 guys. Still, for just the seventh week of the season, that's an exorbitant amount of personnel. What do you attribute that to, Kerman? Uh, well, you know, Kareem's injury, he was simply going through the line of scrimmage, and he popped that calf. Um, these guys are just too tight today. I mean, they're, they're, they're too big. They're wound too tight. And, you know, it's like silly putty. When you pull silly putty, you know, very it quickly, snaps. it snaps. Yeah. I think that 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 is a big part of it. The other part is these guys are bigger, faster, and stronger than they have ever been. And when you got two guys colliding at 220 pounds, and they're going, and you, you'll see it on, on, on ESPN and CBS, this guy's running 21 mile an hour. This guy's running 19 mile an hour. The, the, just the concussion of those two people coming together at 220 pounds, the body can't take a lot of it. And in the line of scrimmage, those guys are 300 pounds and 280 pounds, and they're smacking the heck out of each other. The body just can't take it anymore. And, they, and back in the 60s where they knock them in the dirt and get back up, you know, they found out, look at all those guys with concussions and can't walk and everything right. else. They want these guys to be able to walk. Mike Webster. Yeah, that, a good example. Earl Campbell. Yeah, another one. Uh, you know, there's numerous guys like that. But I think these guys in the player union – and, and I don't know for a fact, but I think part of the negotiations in those contracts is they're only going to hit a certain number of days per year. Thanks to Coach Coughlin. That's why everything was changed. Yeah. And, and, and I agree with it. I mean, these guys, when football's done, most of these guys that are 26, 27 years old, they're done playing football. Well, you're eligible for your uh, pension after three and a half years Correct. of service. Yeah. You yeah that's all you need. 54 games, I think it is. I think okay. it's 54. It used to be 40. I think it's 54. Because I know Jeremy, uh, Jamie Meter met the minimum, and, and uh, he's, he's a friend of mine, and he gets, he gets his compensation pay. He's a Broadview Heights police officer now. Was it Broadview Heights or Bedford? 
Rodview Heights. I, I, I knew it was one of the two. He's the a great pierogi. guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> what a guy. Um, but I, I, I think that they have realized that the body can only take so much of a beating sure. and what's happening on that football field is. And is, psychologically. Well, that's a whole nother, aspect. that's a whole nother aspect. And, and that part I, I'm not real sure about, but we'll go with that. Yeah. You're listening to the Gunzel cast. My name is Ray Carr, along with uh, Jeremy Demery, our producer, Carmen Angelo, and our special guest, Kent Tagliata. Before we continue on with our conversation, we want to put this out there to any advertiser that would like to advertise on our podcast. We, we need you desperately because if we don't get advertising soon, you may not hear us again. So let's make sure that we get some advertising out there because millions of people will hear you, hear your product. And, uh, this is a great place to advertise because we have a great podcast with incredible guests and great talent. Well, use that great talent. I don't know about me and Jeremy. Well said, Ray. Well said. <laughs> well, it's true. Jeremy's a, he's a fantastic producer. He knows exactly what to do. He adds, a, you know, his very good questions, even though he isn't a sports fan, but he does add very uh, a lot of very important elements to this show. Uh, he's, he, like I've said, I mean, he is very unassuming, but when he speaks, he knocks you over. He's hysterical. He's like a Stephen Wright. And Jeremy considers that a compliment. And Stephen Wright is compliment. Stephen yeah. Wright is one of the greatest entertainers of our time. Well, very soft spoken, but boy, he gets it going done. back years before that because you're too young. Bob Newhart in his Bob Newhart. What are you talking about? I'm too young. <laughs> well, no, his Carmen's just trying not to get his his mic muted from me. That's what he's trying no, to his, do right no, now. No, his I'm not going to offend the Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know I got a trivia question? In Alabama, it is illegal. To dress up like a nun or a priest in Halloween. Is it really? It is. That That's news you can use, Ray. I did not know that. Yeah. Only on Halloween, though. Only on Halloween. You're not supposed to dress like a nun or a priest. But most people down there are not Catholic in Alabama. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's odd. Yeah. One of those strange anomalies. The fact that you know that is yeah, odd. That's, yeah. <laughs> no offense. Well, thank you, Carmen. Coming from you, that means a lot. Well, thank you very little. And let's get back to Kent. Kent is our special guest. He's been on this show many times. Well, previous incarnations of this podcast. This is a new incarnation of it because we have uh, top flight professionals running this and getting it up on different platforms where it belongs so people can actually hear it. I can tell by the venue. You know, we should go to Airbnb and see if we can get Airbnb to do a sponsorship It'd be for wonderful. Yeah, that would be great. We're in the VIP lounge here at Gunzelman's. I, I was going to go with yeah. that. I was, no, yeah. this is what this is. It's above the bar. It's a secret room um, that people go to and, you know, con- they do business and they do podcasts like we're doing. Uh, people can actually get away for a weekend and party here if they wanted to. Right? Really? Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Well, I love the fact there's a bed in there. I mean, that looks like my bed from that, and the Farrah Fawcett poster should be up on the wall. <laughs> and I should have my Batman pajamas in there. That looks like the bed I had when I was nine bathroom over here got everything <laughs> airbnb i'm telling you we can we can get that yeah and a leather couch and some fine artwork and not a remote for the tv anywhere fine artwork well let's i'm just trying to be nice <laughs> it looks like um something out of harlem nights never saw it great movie okay never, never saw, saw that oh, yeah it was that gregory hines right yeah yeah, yeah. But there's a, it was a uh, red fox was in there eddie yeah. murphy it was yep. a great movie was that before 1993 yes, yes all right i was 80. still doing my thing yeah but I'm just saying it was a movie about when the Harlem Renaissance took place around the, you know, the early 20s when Harlem was the place to go. And it was like the best entertainers in the world were going there. I agree. Carmen, I got to say it is great to see you. I was trying to think the last time I saw you and you know what it was? I think it was 2001 or so on the Drennan show. 
and I was working for the Florida Citrus Bowl. Yes. Wow. Michigan State was playing in it, yes, weren't they? Yes. And I'm trying to think that is the last time I think I saw you. Oh, my goodness. That Sorry. long? I mean, it's 20 years ago. Yeah. You've got a memory like an elephant. Well, you love the name Carmen Angelo, you know. You were special. No, no, I'm not. I, the bar's low, Ken. Trust <laughs> yeah, me. I got pictures of a lot of people. Short but special. That's what that's what he meant. Short but special. Yes. <laughs> no, I write. But we talk very slow to Carmen. Yes. Yes. I've had a lot of concussions. <laughs> so I. No, I'm, I think that was the last time that I, that I was with you on the air, and we were doing something. I think. What do you think? That the, makes sense. What do you think the biggest challenge for you was during COVID uh, that you didn't expect? Like something that could presented itself as that like something that was not something you previously anticipated with what was going on. <laughs> There's a big thing. My son used to live in Chicago when he was living in Chicago, two of the people in his building uh, contracted COVID within two weeks. So my son moved from the loop downtown in Chicago to living with me in a uh, 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 condo out in Avon Lake. Mm. And at the time, I just had a one-bedroom condo. Now we've subleased that and we have a two-bedroom apartment. But my son moving back with me, out of out, literally out of the blue because of, of what happened from COVID was probably the biggest shock to me. And but, he's still here? Yeah, still, still here. Okay. Doing well. Um, he works for a computer software company. He and, didn't go back to Chicago, huh? No. And I hope, I hope he's listening. Don't go back. Um, he, and he hasn't talked about going back at first he did, but now he's got a real good job and he's made, he's originally from here and he's gotten in touch with some of his old friends and we are now playing volleyball on Sundays with a bunch of people. So I'm, I'm trying to find ways to keep him here. Nice. Yeah. That's but cool. I, I would say that's probably the biggest shock to me that, that, that happened during COVID. For me. What made him move to Chicago? He was offered a, a job opportunity a few years back, and one of our neighbors had, he owns uh, four or five different restaurants and buildings, so he was working uh, for a computer software company along with working as a bartender and stuff in some of the uh, uh, restaurants and bars that were in downtown Chicago in the Loop. And before COVID, they're, they're, they're in high-rise buildings, and yeah. they were they were incredibly busy. They, they specialize in different beers and bourbons and things like that, and it's called Toast of the Town, and then Simply Toasted. They all have to do with toast. Like it's a breakfast toast thing, mm-hmm. but at 4 o'clock, they open up the bourbon and, and the alcohol roll, so by the time you go home, you're toasted in another way. Yeah. You're right. Right, right. Sure. Very Sorry, Ray. I, I know you don't like to talk about getting toasted, but you know. no, no, no. It's oh just, no, we've had some very frank discussion oh, about. Yeah. I mean, use of my alcohol. wife also owns a cocktail bar in Lakewood. So. Okay, which one? Uh, LBM. LBM. It's okay. a North Steam cocktail bar. Okay. Uh, it's like Madison and Lark in Lakewood. So. Yeah, okay. there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, Carmen and I do not drink. Period. But uh, I understand. I mean, I've had cocktails before. Right. It's been 30 years, but I, I know what it's like. I'm not a fan of it because it just doesn't work with me and doesn't work with you either. Yeah, I I, I have no objections to people using alcohol. The issue was clearly on me. So yeah, you know, I, no, and that's fine because that's just all part of life. It's business. Oh yeah, exactly. I, if I owned a bar, it'd be easy because I, I don't I have the temptation to do that. You know, and I like to go to bed early, so it's, <laughs> it's which is fine. <laughs> You know, I've hit that. I'm going to bed at 9.30 every night. Yeah. Well, you have a big day tomorrow. Every day is a big day for Actually, you. I'm off tomorrow. I've got to uh, broadcast the uh, St. Ed's and Akron Hoban game. That's the only thing on my oh. agenda tomorrow. Where's it? Is it at Lakewood? No, it's down in uh, oh, it's Akron. It's at Hoban? Okay. Yeah. So we get to Archbishop see Bishop Hoban. I'm at Orange tomorrow. The big uh, Kirtland Tigers 
Uh, Portland no, Hornets taking Hornets, on the, yeah. the Orange Lions. How about Tiger Laverty? Is he special? Guy. He he is a special, special guy. And I'll tell you what, what he does for high school football he is amazing. Let's let our fans know what uh, who he is. Tiger Laverty is the head coach at Kirtland, and he is one of the finest coaches in this country, yeah. period, Absolutely. or none. I've never had an issue with that guy. He he coaches his kids. He he is not one of these guys that will get on a referee. He will ask one question and go on. He knows he's there to coach his kids. He's not getting tied up with a referee. He's not going to concentrate. He's going to, whatever you tell him, that's what it's going to be. Right. Now, after the game, if you didn't make the right call, or not, not the right call, or you didn't give him the right ruling or something like that, he, he'll come up and talk to you. He's never, never been a jack butt ever. He is one of the classiest, greatest guys uh, and high school football, there is. How about assistant coaches? Do you get involved uh, being yelled at? We had an issue about a, uh, two weeks ago or so where uh, we had a play towards the end of the game. It was Berea and Avon. And the two plays before, they had said something to the Avon kid. So my referee on that side of the field had said, hey, back up, back up. Well, then we had another sweep on that side of the field. Well, some another assistant coach said something. Well, my referee immediately was backing people up. And by the time I got there, it was a white hat. All I saw was this assistant coach engaged with my referee. So I told Elder, and I said, you got to back that guy up. Coach Mike Elder, Avon's and, head coach. And, and, you know, he he said, you didn't see the whole thing. I'm like, Mike, I, I don't have to see the whole thing. I see an assistant coach going after my guy and using profanity. I'm going to go after that assistant coach. And it was defused and everything else. But, you know, yes, occasionally this is, you get assistant coaches that want to try and move up. So they're going to make a name for themselves and they're going to, they're, they're going to ride you a little bit more. You get other assistant coaches that won't say a word. They're, they're, they're what we call the get back coaches. They're, they're putting their hands back, backing up their players and making sure the game is, is flowing along. Perfect. You know, you, you talk about Avon versus uh, Berea mid park. One of my dear friends is Johnny Hunick. One of the greatest offensive minds. He's the head coach of Berea mid park. Right. And he's got them rolling. They're going to make the playoffs this year. I mean this in the best way possible, Carmen. They need some defense. Everybody's going to make the playoffs. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I mean, he he has them in the right direction. I agree. And he's a very good coach. Yeah, and, they're a seventh seed right now. Yeah, they they they, they, they may host the game, and they yes, I, I was very surprised though. The first half this game we were delayed about an hour and a half because of the storm, but at the end of the first half it was twenty to fourteen, and it was a good football game. Sure. I, Maria looked a little flat, and I, and I and I kept saying, "Man, they're just not, not right." Uh, third quarter, Avon took the kickoff and literally went down and scored. They caused a three and out, scored, interception, scored, blocked a punt, and scored again. They put wow. up twenty eight points in five and a half minutes, and now we went to a thirty point running clock, and yeah. Maria was done. Yeah, and I was it just shocked me that that happened so fast. But he has them headed in the right direction. Hopefully, they'll win a playoff game too. They should win a playoff game. I'll tell you. I mean, that young man. He was the offensive coordinator at St. Ed's when we beat um, uh, Huber Heights Wayne with Braxton Miller. And I mean, his game plan was flawless. Absolutely flawless. He's got some big kids. He's got some talent on that team too. What would you change if you were the rules committee? You were the only person on the rules committee in high school football. I, 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 I'm going to steal this from somewhere else, but I, I heard this probably about, I'll say nine or 10 weeks ago, eight or nine. You're going to take numbers off the jerseys. No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no. But you know what I'm taking out of the game? Kicking. Take out the punt, take out the extra point, take out the kickoff. Like On fourth it. down, you got to go for it. I like that. I hate kicking. I think it, it ruins it, the game. Even if it's a fourth and 16. You got to go for it. Wow. 
throw an interception. Throw, throw, you, throw you the ball 30 yards down the field. No, throw I an interception. Well, that's true. But you can't flip. I mean, you can't flip the field no. unless you throw a deep ball and they pick it off. I'd just knock it down. Obviously. Well, you think they should when, do that all the way up to the majors? Yeah, or all the way. And, and the uh, I will tell you, as a referee, we hate kicking. People get hurt. The worst things that can happen happen during the kicking game. Yeah, blindside blocks happen. All the crazy stuff, and and the reason it happens is because they only practice their kicking game. They'll practice probably three punts in practice. Then they'll do three punting returns. Then they'll do three kickoffs and three kickoff returns. Then they'll practice the extra point three times. So yeah, you've it's got ten minutes you, of special teams, maybe. And it, yeah. I mean, to say that when I do the rounds practice, it's the same way. You know what, Ken? I got to tell you, um, and um, Stammer, uh, Frank Stams. He and I were talking about this. The the most fun we ever had on a football field. Well, I mean, goal line is awesome because, you know, yeah. uh, but um, covering kickoffs. And I know it's a violent game, yep. but I mean, I'm from a different era. You wanted to, you know, decleat the guy with yeah. the ball and, you know. Yeah, coming from a guy who's like, um, I'm not like a big football fan at all. Like, I'm just not into it. But it just seemed odd to me that it seems like most plays in the NFL end with some sort of injury or some sort of stop because somebody's hurt. It's like, what is the, even the point of this anymore? And that's what like, it is. You not go a back here, my, my 21 mile an hour, 19 mile an hour guys, they're running down, they're running down the field. One guy's going 21 mile an hour. This guy, he's going 19 mile an hour this way. And they're going to smack each other. Yeah, and I get where you want to declate them and stuff like that. That used to be cool. But now, man, you, because of the equipment they're wearing, the helmets and just the, the velocity and, and the speed and the strength they have, knock a guy in the next week, man. And you don't need it. This podcast is brought to you by Gunzelman's Tavern. For more information, go to gunzelmans.com. Or if you'd like to place an ad on this podcast, go to gunzelmans.com and enter the contact us section. And please enter your information there. All right, back to the show. Even from like a fan standpoint, like, it's probably hard to latch on to uh, a particular player because 95% of the time they don't last the whole season. So your favorite player, the person you're tuning in for every week isn't taking the field because they're injured because the sport uh, hasn't evolved enough to keep their players safe. You know what? It's, it's a lot safer now. It truly is. I mean, you know, Kurt Marsh, all right. He took the needle for literally like eight straight years and they had to amputate his leg. I don't know if you're familiar with that story. They've changed. They've changed the kicking game at all levels. In in the NFL now, the the kickoff team has to be at the 34 yard line. They have to have one foot on the 34, and they can. They no running starts. The kicker can go back as far as he wants. The receiving team has to have uh, eight guys in the box. They have to have between the 45 and the 45. They have to have eight of their blockers there, and they can have three guys deep. High school, you've got to have uh, your your kicking team has to be within five yards. Your receiving team has to have six guys within that ten yards. So they've changed the rule in the same way in college. They've changed the rule. And I, here's here's seems where like a lot of trouble. And I right? the, all I mean to lend to your point, seems like they've gone through a lot of trouble to keep something around that's kind of outdated. Yes, and and here's the other thing with that, and 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 I mean this in the best way possible. You get you get a, you get five women that are watching the football game. They figure out the offense. You figure out the defense. After somebody scores, you got eleven guys that line up here and eleven guys that line up here. They they have no idea what's going to happen. Those eleven plays. They're they're gonna they're gonna go to the bathroom. They're gonna go get a drink because they they don't understand the average fan. I mean this the average fan too. They, they don't understand what that eleven you know during that kickoff what's happening. 
Yeah. And, and they don't care about that. They honestly don't. They wait till it's over with. And wherever it ends up, why are they at the 12-yard line or the 25-yard line? They don't care anymore. And they go, okay, let's go. Let's go play football. That, that, that kicking play is a distraction to them, and it takes away from the game. I yeah. agree. Now, here's one more thing. On fourth down, you mentioned no kicking. Everybody's eligible to catch a pass. No. I like that. It's just completely, I mean, why not? Tell me why. <laughs> no, on fourth down, if, if it, <laughs> I, I, okay, if we took kicking out of the game on fourth down, I, yes, you know what? That could be an adopted rule because then you make everybody eligible because let's say you got fourth and 10 from your own two yard line. Right. I agree with on fourth down, you make all, all, all 11 guys eligible yeah. on, on fourth down. That's what I'm you saying. You can't do that though from first, second, third down. No, no. Fourth down only. Yeah. Fourth and, down only. And that would take kicking out of the game. Sure. Because now your screen pass would be to your center if that linebacker is not standing over that center, that center can run 60 yards. And, and you know what, that, Ray, that, that's a great adaption to me getting rid of kicking. I, and I, 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 I can't like imagine. What about field goals? No, no, you get rid of the field goal. There are no more field goals. If that they, would cause for extreme extensions of tied games, though. No, tied, nine, can, no I know what you're saying. 90% of games or 90% of the games that end up tied, they go into overtime. It usually ends, ends on a field goal. Ends on yeah. a field goal. So it's the first one to score, right? Right, right, right. You can, correct, anymore. Me, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Well, I don't, sudden death if you score, you it, no, if you well, score a touchdown, then you score a touchdown. Yeah. yeah. But then the oh. other, yeah, if, if they only kick a field goal, then the other team gets the ball and yeah. they can extend it further on. All right, here's how you solve that. Let's see how you solve it is like college does. Both teams get the ball at the 25 yard line. There are no ties. I would not have a tie in football. You play till somebody wins. You don't want to kiss Period. your sister. You don't want to kiss your sister. No, I don't home. even have a sister. <laughs> Shouldn't be any ties in hockey either. Everything should go to a shootout in regular season. Yes, I hate ties. Yes. Don't kiss and somebody else's sister. You get yeah, a point if you lose in overtime. That's not right. Well, that's the way it's always been. And I, I know I don't agree with it. But. Oh, by the way, prayers to Mike Bossy. Oh, he's, he's got lung cancer. He's with Jesus, lung cancer. God, it was terrible. Yes. I mean, Mike Bossy was a great star for the New York Islanders in the early 80s. They yeah. won four straight Stanley Cups. Scored Dennis, 50 straight goals. Yeah. 50 goals. Yeah. Speaking 50 of plus a top goals, sport, 10 straight years. That's that's the toughest that's sport. That's the greatest sport in the world. It is the greatest sport in the world. I know that your son, Carmen, is a hockey player. and uh, That I, is the toughest yeah, sport I agree I've that. ever watched. I watched a man's throat get slit. Oh, Buffalo Sabres. Clint Malarchuk. Yeah, yeah and if, right. And if he, was, he wasn't, if he wasn't at the entrance where the Zamboni comes out, if he was at the other, dead. that's what they said. He would have died. Um, Rich Peverly. I'm watching the Columbus Blue Jackets, Dallas Stars, um, November, December of 2014. All of a sudden, you see the people on the Dallas bench. They're banging their sticks. A few of them are waving towels. Rich Peverly drops dead on the bench. Massive heart attack. They carry him. They to these double doors. They put him down. Somebody runs over with a defib. Yep. And they they brought him back to life. He was he was uh, unaware of what was going on. He basically woke up in the ambulance. He saw his skates and he looked around and he said, "What's going on here?" And they said, "You just had massive cardiac arrest." He said, "Where are we in the game?" They said, "Well, we're five minutes in." He said, "What's the score?" <laughs> they said zero zero. He said, "Take me back." <laughs> As God is my witness. <laughs> the Buffalo Sabres, though, I remember. And it's the wildest. The, the guy that went out there and grabbed his throat. He literally grabbed his throat mm -hmm. and try and pulled it closed. Yeah. Oh, that was one of the scariest well, things you know, I've ever seen. It was a, I've a seen skate blade that was up in the air and he just yeah. happened to run into and it. He, yeah. yeah. 
Clint Malarchuk. And that's yeah, why I, I tell these. this young man to wear his neck guard. Oh, yes. It scares me. You never know. I mean, I've had my, my, my hand cut right here. I fell down. A guy in front of me fell and his, my glove fell off and his blade cut my hand oh. wide open. And I had my leg cut open too. I, I, hockey's dangerous. I, no, yeah, I it's a, it's, now this, think about it. Jacques Plante invented the goaltender's mask. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine what it was like. You had a goaltender that you went on the road in the minor leagues, say the Barons, because they were a minor league team. He gets hit in the face of the puck. He has to stay there and play. He can't leave. When men were men. When men were men. He loses all his teeth. He's got a concussion. He's bleeding profusely. They sew him up. The son of a gun has to get back out there and play. <laughs> I, I know. But but back then they had straight sticks. But still, the yeah. puck would be deflected. Oh, still. I mean, you can get one right in the face. And so happened yeah, so fast. Then, though, they always kept the puck down, though. Yeah, but, but, then, but, but I, I mean, it was... Yeah, I, no, I don't want to get hit in the face with the Well, puck no, no. There. Imagine even if the puck was down yeah. and the puck hits somebody's stick and it just caroms yeah. right oh, up in your face. Just oh, like that. Oh, yeah. You know, just like that. It happens all the time. And who are the who are the greatest athletes on the ice? The goaltenders. Got that of course, right. the not best a lot skaters. People, not a lot of people know that. Yeah. You watch like Patty Kane right. and Taser come out and watch them stretch. And you, well, Corey Crawford's no longer there, but you watch the Blackhawks go. Well, it's uh, Flower. You watch Flower yeah. stretch; it's totally different. Mark Andre I mean, Fleury, yeah. his his legs are just like this when he's doing the. Split. They can do great stretches. Yes, they are not some of your best athletes. No, I've no, seen they, some of them. No, the no. Yeah. Here's why: <laughs> they have to be the best skaters. They have to be able to get up and down off the ice and be able to make catches at 100 mile an hour shots. I agree. I mean, that takes a hell of a lot of athleticism. I agree. I, I want to go out one night and just be on the hip of Henrik Lundqvist. I want to go to Manhattan. Oh, God, yeah. Could you imagine the women that I would pick up just being by his side? Yes. He's considered one of the most. And I, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, one of the most beautiful men in the world. I right. think it was a Time Magazine. He's a goaltender for the Rangers. He's, yeah. he's retired he's now. He's married, though, isn't he, to uh, a supermodel? No, I don't think so. No. no. No, actually, he and John McEnroe live in the same uh, condo complex in Manhattan. And they get together and they jam on their acoustic guitars all the time. Yeah, he probably gets his share of action. Hanging out with <laughs> hanging out with McEnroe would be fun. Oh yeah, oh, I love Johnny. That, that dude is a nut job. I yeah. would love to hang out with McEnroe. Are you, you know, serious? Oh, absolutely. Oh, oh God, no, no, yes. that's what he used to say. Oh my God, yeah. Oh, she's got Clint Malarchuk. I don't want to see that. I can't see that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, and I think it was a referee that grabbed his throw, right? You know what? I cannot view that. I'm sure. I remember somebody grabbing his they throat. They grabbed his throat, and and that's what saved his life till the till the paramedics could get there. Yeah. Wild. She, she googled that. That's awesome. Oh. And that, that's one of the worst injuries I've ever seen, and I've seen some bad ones. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's. You know, injuries are a part of any sport. You know, I'm a little surprised, quite frankly, in soccer. This the popularity of soccer. I just, and I'll be honest with you. I can't watch it, Carmen. Watch it, it bores either. me to death. Yep. But I will tell you why it's so popular. All right, tell me. Because little Johnny can play. And there's 11 little rugrats that run around. On, and, I understand and that. Little Johnny is going to be the next Pele. Anybody, yeah, anybody, anybody from can play. Each, no matter what economical status you are, you, can, play you can be one of the best soccer players can, in the world. Right. Because so it uses such little amount of equipment. Yep. All you need is a ball. Yep. And and honestly, you don't even need a goal. They 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 make goals out of cars and garbage cans and oh, whatever yeah. that. I mean, it, it costs no money, and that's why. I mean, the third world countries are so good at it because that's what they do. And and you'll see them in villages and stuff like they kick the ball. Right. That's right. what they do. It's kind of like those basketball players in the movie Airplane. When they first got there, they could dribble the ball, and then they cut back to them. Yeah. They're doing windmills and spinning yeah. the ball on their yeah. finger. Well, I didn't mean to digress. But. 
good. No, no, it's a great movie. Uh, Airplane is hilarious from 1980. Soccer, though, Carmen, it is one of the most boring sports in the world. My ex-girlfriend had a uh, son who was uh, seven and eight years old while we were dating, and every Saturday morning I had to go to the North Ridgeville soccer fields. It was painful. Carmen, I had to coach my sons and my daughter's teams. It was, you talk about painful, oh my God. God bless you. You were doing <laughs> oh the Lord's work. The only, the only good story that came out of that was the, the first day of practice when they're in fourth grade. woman shows up and drops off her son hands me an EpiPen and she goes, hey, if Grant gets stung by a bee, you need to stick this in his thigh or he's going to be dead in probably about three minutes. Oh, gee, thanks. Yeah. First day of practice, I'd never coached soccer, knew nothing about soccer. And that's how I was met, coached my soccer team. I'm like, wow, this is really going to be fun. Yeah. Well, I guess if you're going to soccer, you know what I was thinking? If you're not going to play that, play lacrosse. Lacrosse, lacrosse is, is a great game. game. Yeah, that's yeah. a fun game. Native I American think. game. Jim Brown. Huh? And actually it is the na- and National for you, Sport of Canada. Canada. I know. Yes. That's from the Indians. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we can't say that Native American. Oh, I'm sorry. I When I was younger, my father was a lacrosse referee. So I would have to go. And back then, no one went to a lacrosse team because no one knew what it was. Right. And I had to keep the scorebook. I was a timer, the score, everything. I was 12 years old doing everything because nobody went to a college lacrosse game. I just assume lacrosse is what rich kids play to prove to their parents that they're like athletic or something. Now, but I will tell you what, Jim Brown, Jim Brown, he played at Syracuse. He was yeah. an All-American lacrosse yeah, player. Wow. There were, they, on that East Coast, lacrosse is phenomenal. Maryland. Learn something Maryland. Maryland. Well, even up, even further up along that East Coast, up into Boston, up in there, Connecticut, Rhode Island, huge game. Yeah, like any, anywhere from Loyola and Baltimore to Johns Hopkins. I mean, they've got a hell of a lacrosse yeah, sure. team. Sure. Um, All right, here's my one lacrosse story, though. So I'm 12 years old, running alongside, and when you get to the final minute of the quarter, back then there were no giant scoreboards, no anything. I had a little, little red clock that had a little arm on it. So I'd count down. I'd go 45, 30. I say 30 seconds and all of a sudden the whistle blows and the guy, my dad, not my dad, the other guy that's on the other side of the field goes, I got one minute in the box, unsportsmanlike conduct. I refuse to be called an asshole in Spartan stadium. So I'm 12 years old. I'm like, okay. So we go to halftime. I go, dad, what do I write this down as? I go, I I can't write asshole in in the book. (laughs) He goes, UNS, unsportsmanlike conduct. So... (laughs) Because the guy that was the referee on the other side had That's graduated great. from Michigan State mm-hmm. and refused to be called. Wow. So that was my indoctrination you, you, of lacrosse. You could always write Pendejo. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Spanish back then. Oh, okay. Um, where did you grow up, Kent? Toledo. Okay. Yeah. Where'd you go to high school? Cardinal Stritch. Oh, Cardinal Stritch had a hell of a wrestling team in the 70s. That's where I was. I wrestled. We were really good in the 80s, and we won the championship in 84. Yeah, we, okay. we were good. We had Coach Talbot. We were, we were pretty good. I grew up though. I grew up in the inner city of the South End. I went to Jones Junior High. Okay. Oh, area. oh, I was I was in a rough, rough area. I was I just mean, out there with uh, Central Catholic. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that that was kind of like close to downtown, correct? Yes, it is downtown. Okay. It's right. It's right on Bancroft and Cherry. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. They've done a lot. A uh, real good friend of mine, actually, a kid I grew up with, Mike Coucher, was their athletic director. And he was very instrumental in them building that new stadium. It's I mean, it's Gallagher a, Stadium. Yeah, it's it's really Beautiful. nice. It's it's a really really nice place to play. And they got a nice halftime spread. I don't know where they get their pizza, but their pizza is outstanding. I'm not sure. I haven't been there in a while, so I cannot answer that question, Carmen. I would imagine I know one of two places. Inky's is probably one of them, or the other one that is right there. And I forgot the name. It's a. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. There's another one though, further on Bancroft, and Inkies is a real big one. They're they're a big central sponsor too. Right. 
You're listening to the uh, Gunzelcast, the amazing Gunzelcast, and we're always looking for sponsors. You never and know. If we're in Toledo, I'd, I'd, if, I'd right. So if you want to be a sponsor on this uh, podcast, love to hear from you. Jeremy Demery is our producer. Jeremy, how would people get a hold of you? Uh, you can find me at goldenoxstudio.com or you can look me up on Instagram at uh, at goldenoxstudio underscore. Or, uh, Are yeah. you saying golden? Golden ox. Golden ox. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I'm enunciating here. The yeah. Golden yeah. ox. Sure. Mean, yeah. Beef. Yes. Right. Yeah. You could find me on Instagram at goldenox underscore studio. Question. Answer. This goes to Carmen and Kent here. 15 years in the future, what sport will we not see anymore? Well, that's easy. Football. Well, in your opinion, Kent. Now, Carmen says football. Too much money in football, Carmen. No, yeah. I mean, uh, well, too much money. I'm just seeing, you know, schools eliminating their football programs, you know, uh, especially uh, in the upper Midwest. I was going to say baseball. Baseball? Yeah, because a lot of, a lot of you know, baseball's dying. It's dying on the vine, especially the inner city. They don't want to play baseball. I will, I will tell you one that's going to hurt is going to be wrestling, which is near, near oh. my heart. But, I, yeah. but, but here's, the, here's the, the, the con side to that is women's wrestling is the fastest growing sport in the United States right now. What wrestling? No, no wrestling. Because, oh, and, and here, two things, have, two things have happened. <laughs> University of Iowa was the first program to have women's wrestling at the D1 level. And... Is it Rutgers? I forget who it is. Somebody on the East Coast was the second school to have Division One women's wrestling. Was it Maryland? I th- in Maryland. That's who it was. That's who it was. Maryland, not Rutgers. Those two schools, though, are giving it real credibility now on the Division One level. Now, Division Two and the, and the NAIA have been really growing. And the state of Ohio had, before COVID, had a girls' state wrestling championship year before COVID, they had 275 girls in the state championship. This year, they're expecting 400. Mm-hmm. So Ohio is going to have its own girls wrestling tournament. What's the difference in the rules? Are there any distinctive differences? At the high school level? Yes. No. Once you get above high school, though, girls in college only wrestle freestyle rules, which are the Olympic rules, which I get because there's nowhere for them to go. Boys, though, in college wrestle the old folk, folk style, style rules. That's the difference. High school, though, girls are still wrestling folk style scoring uh, and folk style uh, style. That may change if if they get enough. Um, it could. But as of right now, no, they're wrestling the same boys rules. The only other difference, and this comes into play next year, uh, I was just at a meeting on Tuesday, girls weight classes in two years will be different than the boys. Though. They don't like to tell their weight. Well, they, they have to now. Yeah. They, they well, got to step on a scale now. You know, Ken, I want to tell you, um, hockey's my favorite sport. Wrestling's a very close second. I was fortunate enough where um, on a daily basis, I would see Gene Mills. Um, oh, you ever, were up at Syracuse. No, I wasn't at Syracuse, but we talk about wrestling dying to a degree. You know, Sy- Syracuse got rid of their program shortly yeah. after Gene wrestled. But um, I got a, I had a lot of opportunities to hang out with Lee Kemp, yeah. um, Gonzalez from, uh, where'd he go? Uh, 
he wrestled Gene Mills. Joe Gonzalez. Joe yeah. Gonzalez. Well, um, how did you meet Mills? Because I wrestled with Mills a lot. I was in Toledo when they were at the World Cup. Yeah, and the Mills World, in 1979. In. We almost started a, literally a world altercation. We got into it with the Mongolians. I okay. mean, a huge fight. I so thought it was fight. the Iranians. I'm no, sorry. No, Mongolia. Mongolians. Yeah, it was the Mongolians. And the guy was a world champ. And I took him down three times in a row because me and Mills were practicing. This guy threw me into a flower bed and it started a all out. I mean, brawl. It was really? nasty. And I'm sure Gene Mills was one of the he first. He was the first guy defense. in the fight. He, he was my buddy, man. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Oh. Me and Gene. He used to <sighs> he used to stay at Howard's house, Ferguson's yeah. house. Oh, yeah. He was nuts. Yeah. He, he, he comes in, man. He comes in. We were wrestling Russia. He's got these two flags with this goofy-ass hat on, and he's just pointing at him. I mean, he is just firing up the crowd. I love Mills. Oh, my oh, God. Man, yeah, me and Gene. He was And he you was went to the Eds, too, though, yes. right? And you were, were you They there? were always there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Were you there at the end of the 70s? Yeah. Okay. When yep. did Ferguson start? That was when Heffernan. Brian graduated in, uh, he won state in 78. He graduated in 70. He was our first state champ. Yes. You know, ha- uh, Ferguson started about 76, 77. Joe Mackey uh, brought him in. He tried to get him yeah. for two, three years. And finally, he, he picked up the phone and he said, Howard, you can't win state at the West West Shore Y. Well, yes. And yep. he, he came over and the rest is history. Yep. What do you think, uh, pro or? wrestling what do you think wrestling could do in order to save its sport make it a make it professional like well i'll tell you the best thing that's happened is mma because a lot of those guys and you look at all the champs right now they all have wrestling backgrounds not all most of them they're coming from a wrestling background especially in america the guys that are graduating that are the national champs and stuff and not even national champs they're going into mma and they're doing very very well um the, the kid from cleveland state he was a, oh matt kafari yeah it's funny you bring up matt's name and i asked him i said why didn't you why didn't you wrestle on the freestyle team and he goes i would have to wrestle Baumgartner." He yeah goes, and he couldn't be <laughs> yeah and i'm like oh, i forgot i'm an idiot you know but uh no there's been a, a couple of them uh Stipe Miocic, who's the, who's the world champ. I refereed him in Cleveland State. He he wasn't even an All-American. He, I mean, he was good, but he got beaten in, in the round of 12. And But he figured out MMA, and that kid was just an athlete. He is a freak of an athlete. Yes, he, he figured is. out he could take a punch. With that, and he And he, he hits like kick. a mule. With that, he, right. can, he can kick. And yeah, he, he, he has more athleticism, and that's why he was so good wrestling. As you know, yes, you got to be an incredible athlete, but MMA is even more of an athleticism than it is to wrestle. But don't you think it's more violent than football and hockey? Yeah, but I like it. I, mean, I love it. Yeah. It, Rest, it, you think wrestling is more violent? Well, than, MMA. MMA. Oh, yeah. It, it's yeah. controlled, though. I mean, it, it really no, is. No, I'm not. I, I like, and I'm not saying I don't like violence. It, the thing with the thing with MMA and, and wrestling though, it, it, you're, you're, you're in a tight area. You can't go 21 miles an hour and run into something. Yes, you can hit them and you can you can swing and and kick them and everything else. But going back to the, the speed, right? When you when you run into each other doing 15, 18 mile an hour, you, you can't control your body. But well, wouldn't that be? You get a great uh, MMA guy, put him in this uh, steel cage with somebody who's committed heinous crimes. Oh, that'd be awesome! Wouldn't that be great? I would love people seeing, would watch. I that. would love to see, and he's gone now. But I would love to see Aaron Hernandez get in the ring with uh, oh. Stepe. Wow. Well, look, okay. There's a, a guy, remember a guy named Stephen Neal? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Played for the Patriots, all, all pro. He, he never played. No, no, no. Oh, Stephen Neal, Neal, white guy, tall. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a two-time national champ in wrestling. Never played football. Mm-hmm. Belichick drafted him for the Patriots, said this guy's right. hands, hand and feet speed is incredible. He became an all pro in two years. 
He he played for the Patriots for 12 or 13 years, had no football background, but they knew the skills that he had from wrestling. They put him, they put him as a guard and he, what he could do inside that framework was, was just unbelievable. And that's the thing. I mean, a wrestler, he keeps his hips and ass under him, you know, and he's able to drive people off the line of scrimmage. You mentioned Steven Neal. I thought of Lorenzo Neal. He won a national championship at Fresno state. Yeah. Yep. Well, you're listening to the Gunzo cast, and that's going to kind of wind things up for us. We've had, I know, we had such a great time. Our producers just give me the uh, signal that we're going to come in near the end. We can have you back next week. I was just going to, I didn't want to invite myself. No, Ken, I'll invite you. I'm Ray Carr. This is Carmen Angelo, Jeremy Demery, our producer, and our special guest, Mr. Kent Intagliata. Kent, we want to have you back next week. We'll we'll go into some other stuff. please. No, we'll go into some other stuff. We've kind of talked a little bit. Uh, Sorry we stayed on sports. We can talk about other things. Well, no, I want to talk wrestling with you. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) we we have to go on something beyond wrestling. (laughs) Okay, we have five minutes. No, no, I don't mind five minutes of wrestling. I just said we can go on to other things. Yeah, but I I could talk. I mean, he and Gene Mills were close friends. I understand that. close friends. Remember, this this information is rather esoteric to some of our members of our studio audience. Well, We can make it a broader, broader spectrum. I I will say this. I am impressed by your guys' knowledge of high school sports. Oh, I love high school sports. I love amateur sports. Um, I've covered, you know, World Series, NBA championships. You give me Mount Union, John Carroll, St. Ed, St. Ignatius, Maslin, McKinley. No, I agree with you, Carmen. I think uh, amateur sports is much much more enjoyable. Can I say one thing? I get yes. 30 seconds. Yeah. I wish high school and amateur sports would be covered in Cleveland so much more than what it is. But what these news stations do yeah. is so, so horrible to these kids. They, they do so much more and they would, I think their audience that would watch the news would watch it so much more yes. than, than them covering the Indians. That it, It's old. And you know what? You can get that stuff anywhere else you want. They go out and do a story on, on, on Joe at, at Berea or they go out and do a story on, on somebody that's local. They're going to get a lot yes. bigger audience and a lot more people that will want to care to see what's going on. Sorry. Go no, 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 no. I, to your point, pal, Gavin, with uh, the dream team, the wrestling yeah. team in the plain dealer or the dream team for football in the plain dealer yeah. in the seventies and eighties. Right. You yep. know, those were, you know, guys that I, I would see in the paper, their caricatures. They used yeah. to have those caricatures yeah, with their yeah, yeah, in their right. high school. And it's like, Hey, I know that guy, you know, Kevin Graven being on the dream team in the plain dealer for football. Right. Right. Back no, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. I, I agree yeah. with what you're saying that they don't feel it's important. No, that, they don't. And, and they pull every, I, I, I I was I was right. one for a while. Let's but, stay. Let's sorry. keep it right here. We'll give it a tease for next week. Everybody, <laughs> right. it'll be a tease. Thank you for listening to the Gunzel Cast. My name is Ray Carr, along with Carmen Angelo, Jeremy Demery, Kenan Tagliata. We'll see you next time.